fun one to talk about because uh, we're going to talk about wives and husbands and children and slaves. It's a good topic. Uh, someone said, uh, we're going to talk about wives and husbands and it's not even Mother's Day or Father's Day. You know, it's like, yeah, it's just, uh, it's where we are in the book of Ephesians. And so hopefully this morning the Lord will speak to us and we will listen to him as he, as he speaks to us. Let me pray for us again. God, thank you for your word. I thank you for this inspired word that has been passed down to us, God. I thank you for uh, breathing it out through Paul as he wrote it down for us to, to read and to study and to, to recognize how we can be uh, better examples of who Christ is, what he's done in our life and what he's doing in our life, and how we can walk in the light, how we can walk in love, and how we can put on display for the world to, dis- for the world to see um, what Christ has done in our life. And so as we study this morning, Lord, would you speak to us through your Holy Spirit? Would you help us to be faithful to you and obedient to you and respond to you because you are worthy of our lives? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, I get the question a lot. I think it's because um, because we've moved before more than once, but I get the question, where can you see yourself in 10 years? And I've, I've had that question before. Where can you see yourself in 10 years? And maybe you're thinking that also. Maybe some of you are thinking, where can I see myself in 10 years? Well, I've got the answer for us. A mirror. In 10 years from now, we can see ourselves in a mirror. I guarantee that. That if uh, 10 years from now, if you want to document this and you want to see where yourself is, you just got to look in a mirror. I mean, what better job, right? Inspecting mirrors is really a job I could see myself doing. What about you? Inspecting mirrors, could you see yourself doing that? Obviously you could. Mirrors are made for us to see ourselves, to reflect on ourselves, to give us a clear image of who we are. I'm ashamed that none of you laughed at those punny jokes, but they were hilarious. But mirrors are designed for us to see a clear reflection of who we are. Uh, Often we look in the mirror, maybe too often. Maybe some of us not enough look in the mirror, but it is something that, that we look at. If you had a choice, you could only choose between these two things, these two items, to hang on your all, which would you choose? Would you choose a mirror or would you choose a map? I think most of us would probably lean towards a mirror, because uh, a map's important, yes, but we want to know what we look like. We want to see what our appearance is. We want to be given something that reflects back, gives us a, a good image of who, of who we are. And if we only had maps on our wall, we wouldn't ever know who we are. We might know where we are, but we wouldn't necessarily know who we are uh, because a map doesn't reflect who you are. A map reflects the world around you. Now, that's a sermon in itself. We won't get into that today. I'm kind of preferencing that for you for later. Uh, maps are really, really important for churches. Mirrors are not so much important. In fact, what I want to uh, focus in on this morning is we are to be the reflection of Christ. We are to be the mirrors. don't necessarily need mirrors on the wall or pictures of Jesus on the wall because we are to be that reflection of who Christ is. And in Ephesians chapter 5, we get to this moment where Paul has been urging us to walk in light, walk in love. And so how are we going to do that? And he gives us four people to look at, 
three different relationships, uh, but four, four people to look at to say, here's where the reflection of Christ should be put on display. Should be on display in the marriage relationship, should be on display in the parent and child relationship, and should be on display in the work relationship. Those three relationships should work as, like J.D. Greer says, he says those relationships should work as laboratories to make us more like himself. So in those relationships, a marriage relationship, a parent-child relationship, and a work relationship, if we're walking in newness of life, if we're walking in love, if we're walking in the light that the Lord has created us to walk in, then those relationships should be places where we're becoming more like him and we're putting him on display as the world as the world watches us. And so our lives are supposed to be these mirrors reflecting Christ. Our marriages are supposed to be these mirrors reflecting Christ. Our parenting and grandparenting is supposed to be a mirror reflecting Christ, showing who Christ is. Our work relationships as slaves or slave owners are supposed to re- reflect who Christ, who Christ is. And it's a difficult passage because there's a word in there that some of us do not like. Does anybody want to just blurt out that word? Submit. It's not a fun word. It's not a word. It's almost a four-letter word in a way. You know, it's almost a word like, let's not say that. It's a word that we kind of steer clear of or steer around it. Good husbands know. In our culture, hey, just don't use that terminology at home. Come up with a different way. Look through the the source and come up with a different word for submit. Because if you say to your wife, hey, wife, you need to submit to me, uh, it may not end in a in a good in a good way. In fact, you may be submitted as the husband, maybe put in a sleeper hold or a choke hold, and maybe saying, "I'm tapping out. I'm tapping out." We come to this passage, though. It's been breathed out from God, inspired by God. For a reason, for a purpose. Just as you and I have been given breath by God for a reason. And the reason is to reflect, reflect God and His glory. I mean, the ultimate purpose in our life is to reflect Him. To give Him the glory that He deserves. That our life would be put on display as people, as the world watches, we'd be put on display to reflect God and His glory. In our worship time this morning, we sing songs, we study scripture, we greet one another so that we reflect who God is and we worship Him through that. And then we continue with that in our everyday life. We use our relationships to put that on display. We use our marriage relationships, our parent-child relationships, and our work relationships to put on display the glory, the glory of God. So when we look at these relationships, when we start breaking these down, it'll take us a couple of weeks to, to break these passages down. But when we look at these, I want our minds to be thinking of, that, of a couple different things. One, that these relationships should make us more like Christ. So our marriage relationships, our parent-child relationships, our work relationships should make us more like Christ, number one. And number two is this, that we would be putting on display Christ for the watching world that we would reflect Christ in these relationships, that we use these relationships as laboratories to create in us a more likeness of Christ, and we put that to to display for the world to see who Christ is, and we're reflecting. We're acting as these mirrors for the world to see. 
So we get to Ephesians chapter 5, and starting this section in verse 21, it says, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to, in everything to their husbands. So already, blood pressure may be boiling, our thoughts may be going in a, in a negative way, and I want to say it's, I think it's because of this, because our culture of freedom has an overblown disrespect for submission. I mean, we live in this free country, right? I mean, we, we would even take verses like John 8.36, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Submit to no one. I mean, we, we would take those moments and we would say, we've been given freedom. And so because of that freedom, we've been taught to submit to no one. I mean, our country has been really founded on that. We, will, we won't let anybody tell us what to do. But we have freedom, right? I mean, if the great U.S. of A. has truly set us free, then we are free indeed and we will submit to no one. That's why we see protests today. You know, I turn on the news and you watch a protest and some of us think, I don't understand this. What's well, freedom that has taught us, we can protest. Go to a public school and you'll see that submission is nowhere to be found. It's not even taught anymore necessarily because we have been taught about freedom. We're free to make our own choices, free to say what we want to say, free to carry guns, free to protest, free to burn flags, free to do these things. We've been taught about freedom. And so submission is far from our vocabulary. We think of it as a negative a negative thing. And here we are, church, coming to a, an ancient document here that's telling us that a, a particular person ought to be submissive to another particular person as Christ has been submissive. So we should submit as the church submits to Christ and his lordship, so also wives should, should submit to husbands. It's a difficult thing to talk about. It's not a fun topic necessarily. But, and I really believe because of our culture. Other cultures in the world are, are okay with it, so to speak. Uh, you know, the Muslim society or culture teaches submission often, right? And, and we see that on display. You, you recognize submission in a Muslim culture by dress code, by who can speak and who cannot speak. And so because of that, our culture is fighting against that. And we would say, I would never submit if that's what submission looks like. I mean, it's no wonder, really, that the topic of submission is, is so difficult for us to discuss because of, because of our culture, because of the culture of freedom that we have. Yet, ironically, we submit, every one of us, male and female, we submit to things every day. Go make a purchase today, and you will submit to paying taxes. You know, you may not enjoy it, you may not want to do it, but make a purchase today and you're probably going to submit to taxes. Drive a car today and my hope is that you would submit to the stop sign. My hope is that you would submit to the red light or the green light. I mean, every day we're submitting to things. Uh, often a, a, a topic in our conversation is the weather. We submit to the weather more often than we desire to. To wind, to a lack of rain, to heat, to cold, well, whatever it is, we're, we're in submission to it. We really can't control it at all. So we submit our lives to it. I think probably the, maybe even a better example is we often submit to the sun, S-U-N. 
Some of you say, oh, I don't submit to the sun. Well, why is your face so red? <laughs> you know, your melanoma says differently. You know, I mean, we submit to the sun. When the sun is up, the sky's awake, so I'm awake. So we work, we play, we live. When the sun goes down, we create our own light and we try not to submit to the darkness. And we enjoy the, the joys of our first world country and the electricity that we have. And we no longer submit to the sun, so we try. But reality is we still submit to, we submit to the sun. You, you can't fight it. The sun's going to do what it wants to do. So we must submit to it. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to let that sink in for a little bit. I'm going to to come back to it later, all right, about the sun, S-U-N. And I may even talk a little bit about the sun, S-O-N, talking about submission to that. Just want to preface that, okay, get you ready for that, all right? But as we think about submission, I want you to, I'm going to just give you a couple of verses here. Luke 2, 51 says this, Jesus continued living in submission to his mother and father. The one who need not to submit to anyone on this earth chose to submit to people on this earth. This is a fun one. Luke 10, 17. Demons are subject to his name. Of course we want those demons. We want Satan to submit to Christ. They ought to. They, they are deserving of submitting to Christ because they are unworthy of even being in his presence, so they better submit to him. They better submit to him. Uh, we read already, but Ephesians 1.22, the Lord puts in subjection all things under his feet. Christ, everything is below him. We are under him. We are under the sun. That's a good analogy we're going to get to in a little bit, okay? Hebrews 12, be subject to the Father and live. We're talking about discipline here. That, that we should recognize how submission is something that's a part of our everyday life. Unfortunately, in our society, the culture of freedom that we have, we have been taught that submission means to be inferior. That if you submit to someone or something, you become, you've become inferior to that thing. So that's why there would be a struggle in the marriage relationship for a wife to say, I'm not going to submit to the husband because I'm not inferior to him. For a husband to lord over and say, yes, you are inferior to me. I'm a greater person, so you must submit to me. I mean, that's kind of the thing that we're taught. And we live in an equal society. And in fact, we have an equal Savior who's willing to save either gender. And so because of that, we know that neither are superior to the others, but instead Christ is superior. We are inferior only to him. And I think that's important for us to recognize. And so when Paul is saying, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and he himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And then he goes on to say, to make clear that we're not talking about a superiority or inferiority, he goes on to say in verse 25, husbands, Love or agape your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what we're seeing here in the marriage, first off, in this marriage relationship, in this relationship that a lot of people are in, or at least a lot of people see it. Maybe you're not married, but you know of a married couple. And so we see this on display, and we see that God is kind of giving, and I hate to even use the word roles, but he's given a couple of different roles here. 
to reflect Christ. All right, husbands, here's how I want you to reflect Christ in your marriage relationship. As you're walking alongside your wife, here's how I want you to put on display God and His work. I want you to put on display the unconditional love of the Savior. I want you to put that on display. So love your wife as Christ has loved the church and put that on display for the world to see. And wives, in return, what I would like for you to do is to submit to the unconditional love that's being shown, being put on display, the love that's like Christ. So that the world can see submission to unconditional love is a great thing to do. Submission to unconditional love is an honorable thing to do. Submission to unconditional love is a worthy thing to do. Yeah, here's where brokenness comes in, right, ladies? I mean, you're asking, Paul, inspired by God, you're asking us to submit to unconditional love, and I'm all for that. I will submit my life to Christ. I'll put that on display. But have you met my husband? He doesn't always display unconditional, unconditional love. And that's where, man, that's where sanctification, that's where the saving grace of Christ is put on display. We're showing to the world that though it may not make sense, I'm going to walk in obedience to Christ. I'm going to walk in obedience to Christ because He is worthy. He's worthy of following. He's worthy of being obedient to. It's interesting when we think about God. I mean, God's all-powerful, right? I think we would all agree with that. What does God do with His power? What's interesting is He, he gives it away. I mean, think about Christ, who is God, walking on earth, all-powerful. And what does he do? He invests in people. He mentors people. He disciples people. He gives them the power. I'm giving you this so that you can go and do these things likewise. So you can be a representation of Christ. He gives away that power. He submits and says, you know what? I'm submitting myself to, to God Almighty. Thy will be done. And I'm giving the power that he's given to me. I'm going to give it away so that other people can see the glory of the Father. I mean, that's an interesting thing to even think about. That though God has power, God in Christ, walking on this earth, has power. Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 2 that he, he didn't say that that was something to be considered as something to lord over people. But instead, he wanted to serve others. He wanted to serve the people and lay down his, his life for other people. Unconditional love. Serving, serving others. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 5, he says, verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Ah, I'm coming under a little conviction right now. Of this passage, we often, as men who are preachers, would love to focus on wives submitting to husbands. When I read this, and I'm not a woman, obviously, okay, and I'm I'm not trying to even put myself in your shoes for a moment, so please, ladies, uh, don't mishear me, all right? But I would almost say that the submission sounds easier. Because here's my responsibility as a husband. Husband, unconditionally love your wife. Not that my wife is not worthy of that. I think I've told you before, her name means worthy of love. 
All right, and she reminds me of that often. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do you know how selfish I am? Do you know how often I do not want to give myself up for anyone? Yet I'm supposed to put on display for the world to see in my marriage relationship as one who loved the church unconditionally and gave myself up for her? I'm going to use a real contemporary current event that happened just yesterday in our marriage relationship. We're at the gas station, filling up with gas, buying a couple of drinks and snacks, to head back to Lovington, and uh, there's a long line. It seems to happen often for me, get in line at the cash register, and I see Mandy walking, and she says, I'm going to get something. By the time I get up to the cash register, she hasn't made it up that way. I'm not getting the back of the line. I'm just, I mean, I've already done that. No, thank you. And I pay, and then Mandy walks up. You already paid? I don't even know what to say. I already paid. It's already been paid. And the cash register lady kind of laughs, and she says, well, I have these two things. <sighs> Fine. I walk back to the back of the line, stand in line, and I get back up to the cash register, and the lady says this to me. You know what? Happens to my husband all the time, too. <laughs> Ah, the church, loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Here's where it gets really difficult, husbands. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. I mean, the responsibility of the husband to put this unconditional love on display and to lead the one that's been entrusted to me by God, my spouse, my wife, to lead her in such a way that she might be presented in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. How difficult a task. Can we reverse roles? And we've tried that in our world today. We're trying it. Can we reverse roles? Can I just be the submissive one and you lead me to be without blemish and without spot? Seems easier. I'm not saying it is, but it just seems from the outside it would be easier. Here's an interesting thing, I think. Verse 26 says this, that he might sanctify her. This is talking about Christ. As Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So, so this phrase cleansed her, this, this word, this Greek word, means to make pure, right? To, to make clean, to offer purification. It's an interesting word. You may be familiar with this word. Are you familiar with the word catharsis? Maybe you're, maybe you've been to a counselor or you know a counselor and they say, okay, we want to have, we want to create in you, give you a, uh, an episode or help you uh, get rid of all these negative things that are piling up on you. We want to help you get rid of these things. We want you to have a, a cathartic moment where you've been cleansed, purged of all that nasty stuff that's inside of you. We want to get rid of those things. We want you to experience catharsis. It's an interesting thing because if you were doing marriage counseling, I don't know how many couples would go in and speak to a psychologist or a counselor or even a marriage doctor who's going to fix it all 
And the question would come up, do you feel like your marriage is creating catharsis? Meaning that, do you feel like every day in your marriage, you're able to release all those terrible things, get rid of all those things, and live this clean, pure, happy, married life? I think the majority of time, people would go in and say, marriage is not creating that. In fact, marriage is doing the opposite. Marriage is the problem. Marriage is the reason why we're here. Marriage isn't creating catharsis. Marriage is creating the reason why I need catharsis. Marriage is helping me pile up on all these things. I, mean, I, I think for a moment we would say, when has marriage ever been a pure and cleaning out type of thing? But that's what it's supposed to be. On display for the world to see that marriage is a great thing. But our culture has taught us that marriage is a heavy thing. An added weight, an added pressure. How many students I've talked with that said, I don't think I'll ever get married. Watching my parents or my grandparents and their example, why would I ever want to be, to be married? I might live with someone someday, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be married. How ashamed we should be for those of us who are called, who are followers of Christ, to put on display that marriage is actually a God-given blessing. A moment where really the plurality of God can be put on display in unity in a marriage relationship. We can never two people actually come together and be unified. Can that ever happen? With God at the center, it can. When God is the one who's giving the power who's putting the marriage together, it can put, be put on display for his glory, for his kingdom. Marriage and the church should really be a place of catharsis, that we come to this moment where we're being cleansed, we're being released from, in a spiritual sense, released from sin, being purged of those things because of the blood of Christ. Instead of a moment where we're added, weight is added upon us, and we're in need of something else to fill the, the need to take these things away. Marriage should be that moment where the wife showing display of what submission looks like to another, the husband putting on display unconditional love, what that looks like for the world to see. The world should see an example of who Christ actually is. Verse 26 again. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Unity. In a world that is divided, the marriage, the Christian marriage, the marriage that desires to glorify God, shows unity. This mystery is profound. 
And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's focus in on verse 32. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. I know it may sound like you're being used. I know it may not be the, the most uh, joyful thing for a moment to think about. But your marriage is not for you. Your parent-child relationship is not for you. Your work relationship is not for you. The journey of life that you're on, especially as a saved individual, those moments are not for you. Those moments would reflect who God is. His goodness, His greatness, His power, His sovereignty, His unconditional love, His peace, His joy, His patience. Those are the moments that you get to put on display who God is. Reflect who He is. Your marriage relationships, your parent-child relationships, your work relationships. To put on display for the world to see. Let me show you who God is. Let me show you how He loves. Let me show you how powerful He is. Let me show you how He creates peace in a moment of division. Let me show you what unity looks like. Though we live in a society that's almost anti-unity. It's easier to divide than to, to unite. So we live in a, a trying time. We live in a difficult time. Though it's not any more difficult than here in Ephesians. This church in Ephesus, who honestly some of... I mean, you talk about inferior. inferior. Some of these women couldn't read. Some of these women had no say at all. And we live in a time where, thanks be to God, all of us have an opportunity to read. All of us have an opportunity to make choices for ourselves. We live in a free society, right? If the sun has set you free, so you are free indeed. So we have to, we have to really put on display, reflect who, who God actually is. Let's talk about the sun for a moment. I mean, we, we do. We try and falsely create light, falsely create power. I mean, it works, and I'm thankful for our electric company, our electricians. I'm thankful for that. I'm not saying let's do away with it at all. But think for a moment what we've tried to do. I mean, we, we say to the sun, Son, I appreciate that you're up and giving us light, giving us heat, giving us power. I appreciate that. But when you go down, darkness seems to hide your face. I'm going to do something and put it in place, and I'm going to try, I'm going to try other things. I'm going to no longer submit to you. Because I felt like maybe you don't know what you're doing. I mean, you're up for a time. Right, and it's it's good, and all of a sudden you go down, and we're we're standing around in darkness, and darkness seems to hide your face, and I don't even know what we're supposed to do anymore, and so I'm just going to fill this void of not knowing what to do with things from this world, and I'm going to try and create light, I'm going to try and create heat and power, I'm going to try and do this so that I can no longer have to submit to you, and we can live in a world where we don't even have to submit to the sun anymore, we can completely depend on our own created power. Our own created light. No longer needing to submit to the sun. I told you, I warned you. So I'm talking about the S-U-N, but think for a moment about the S-O-N, the Son of God, 
the one who God gave up freely to die for us. How often do we say, I understand you rose. I understand that, and I'm supposed to submit to you, and I'm under you now, and I'm under your authority. And I understand that, but there are moments when darkness seems to hide your face. And in those moments, I don't even know what to do. And so I began looking around and say, well, I want to submit to you, but I can't see you. Darkness at the moment seems to be hiding your face, and so well, what am I supposed to do? And so I tend to submit to other things in this world, to false light, false hope, false peace, false love. I'm trying to create these things. If I do this and do this and this and this, maybe in submission to these things, I'll actually experience joy and peace and patience and life everlasting. And then, guess what happens? Though darkness seems to hide his face, the sun rises again. And we're reminded, ah, there you are. Lord, forgive me for those moments in darkness where I turned away from you, where I thought maybe I could submit to something else. Lord, please forgive me of those, of those moments. I see who you are, and I'm, I'm wanting to live under your, submitted to you, live under you because of your unconditional love. In the marriage relationship, though darkness may seem to hide his face, those unconditional love moments to be put on display. I, as the husband, have that moment of showing unconditional love. And the one that God has so graciously given to me that's worthy of love gets to demonstrate this is what submission to unconditional love looks like. Not so that you can say my husband is great, not so that you can look at me and say, I am great, but because God is the greatest. One day we can go to God and say, God, look, I, I wanted you to create me for more than, than just your glory. I mean, we, we hear that a lot in church. You've created us for your glory. But really, God, I wanted to be created for something more. Couldn't you have created me for something more than just your glory? And I don't know exactly how God's going to answer that question, but my assumption it would be something like this. There is nothing more than my glory. How could I create you for anything more when there is nothing more than my glory? Your purpose has been created for the highest thing. There is nothing higher than my glory. Your marriage relationship has been created for my glory. Your parenting and child relationship has been created for my glory. Your work relationship has been created for my glory. And there's nothing greater than that. And I hope we can, I hope we can come to a moment where we can say, submission's not so bad at all. Sharing unconditional love is not so bad at all because it puts on display the glory of God. Let me read to you John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We're offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will, we will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. I mean, these guys are religious folks, right? Uh, what do you mean we're going to be free? We, we haven't been slave to anything. Do you not hear that in our world today? 
What are you going to free us from in our, in our culture, in our context? We, we're not slaves to anything. Truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever, and the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do not, for you have not heard from your father. I mean, the Son has set us free, and we are free indeed, and we are free to submit to Him. No longer being slaves to sin, living in submission to sin, and looking for false hopes and false peace and false love, and though darkness may hide the face of the Savior, we think, oh, I know I've been set free, but yet, where is He? Instead, we could say, if I have been set free, so free I am. And because of that, I live in submission to Him husbands and wives, in submission to him so that our marriage relationship reflects him. Parent and child, in submission to him so our parent-child relationship reflects him. Worker, slave owner, worker owner, whatever you want to call it, reflecting Christ so that we reflect who God is and he receives the glory. Today when you go outside... I'm looking at the windows. The sun is up. You're going to submit to it. I believe that you are. You're going to see it. You're going to recognize it. You're going to know its power. And if that's the case, let it be a reminder as it is up that you live as ones who have called Christ Lord under the authority of the Son. Live under Him. Know His power. Reflect Him. For He's worthy of that. Let's pray. God, we are in desperate need of you.